0: Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Manchester is Red podcast from the Manchester Evening News. Another busy few days around Manchester United uh, with the news that Ralph Rangnick is set to be appointed as the club's interim manager until the end of the season. A future consultancy role after that. We've had a a week of managerial news. There's a game against Chelsea lurking around the corner. Uh, I'm delighted to be joined. I've Dominic Booth, joined Again by Samuel Lucas um, and Tyrone Marshall this time. Hello to you both.
1: Hello, good afternoon.
0: Hello, Dom. <laughs> you sound delighted to be here, Ty. I <laughs> know,
2: oh, yeah. What
0: after that? I think it was the technical technical confusion at the start of this podcast uh <laughs> is slightly wrong footed as all I think, but we will um, we'll go with it and we'll go obviously with the the news of the Ralph Rangnick appointments. Um, not yet confirmed at the time of recording this podcast, Samuel by United, but um, understood to be to be well on the way. And what do you make of it? It's been greeted with a, a surprisingly positive reaction by by most fans and most others in football as well. It, it's it's a, a really interesting one.
1: He's, he's the hipster's darling, isn't he? Um, I, I think we kind of expected this, this positivity because of his reputation uh, in Germany. He's a fascinating appointment from from a journalistic perspective. I'm, I'm pleased about it because I like the cut of his jib. I think there's, there's a very interesting story there. Uh, the timing of it is, is fascinating as well, particularly after what he said to Jonathan Northcroft in his Sunday Times interview earlier in the year um, when when Chelsea tried to make him the interim manager and he said he'd have been a a lame duck if he accepted that. The difference now is that it's it's Manchester United, which carries much more weight than Chelsea, and the timing is a little bit longer. And also it sounds like he will be um, staying at United in some sort of a role Beyond beyond this season, I think that depends on, on how he, he gets on as the head coach. If, if United win the Champions League with him as head coach, he, he will not be a consultant there next season, I think it's safe to say. But it is an appointment that, that comes with an element of risk. He hasn't coached outside Germany. He's been more renowned for administrative, technical roles in the last Decade. I think he's only had two coaching spells, uh, both of them with Leipzig. But he's become more renowned as a as a talent spotter, and and he has spotted some some immense talents. If you think of Joshua Kimmich, Sadio Mane, uh, Roberto Firmino, Deo Pacakano, uh, Erling Haaland, he, he's he's attached to all of those names, which is is some hit rate. And ironically, that hit rate was why he he wasn't appointed by United sooner um, in the tech, in the technical director role, or football director role, whatever one you want to to look at. Really, uh, they felt as though not just Rangnick, but other name candidates for, that were linked to the role were just renowned for their uh, for their recruitment, which was why they in, in their, their logic. Anyways, why they went with John Murta, because he. Did things with the academy. He was um, he was charged with uh, going about recruiting for the women's team in 2018. It, it sounds a bit perverse, really, that they they didn't look at Rangnick or other options on on that basis. And here we are, two and a half years later. And he's about to be parachuted in at United. After it seems like one meeting uh, with with Ed Woodward and, and Richard Arnold, it's it's almost as if they decided to speak to the guy, realise that he's very very good at talking about football and knows his stuff, and thought, you know, what we need to get him in now, and also we're going to we're going to need him in for the future. Um, it's it, it's the kind of appointment they should have made, as I said, nearly three years ago. They needed an objective voice to come in who had no attachment to the club. Who wasn't one of these jobs for the boys beneficiaries? Uh, that those those appointments became rife under Solskjaer. Let's let's face it. But they needed an objective voice to come in. I think the only other candidate who has an attachment with the club who would have been credible would have been Edwin van der Sar. But that's because he's he, he's worked um, for his position at Ajax as chief executive. He took a, um, I think it was a business degree um, to to get to that role he's eminently eminently qualified to be a chief exec or, or even a director of football but i think it's pretty obvious that united with the egos there they they didn't want someone coming in who would have been a threat to, to ed woodward so ed woodward ensured in, that edwin van der Saar was never coming in but rangnick as i said it, the, the fact that he's not done much coaching over the last decade there there's a big there's a big risk there but He's 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 well um, he's well renowned in in Germany. Uh, you know, you listen to Klopp and to and Nagelsmann speaking about him today. His um, his influence on them is is quite apparent, and I think he was ahead of the, the curve as well with his his analysis of German tactics in in the nineties when they were famed for for the sweeper system. He thought it was outdated, and then Germany came and cropper around the turn of the century, and they had to. Uh, reboot the way they approach games, and he was one of the pioneers of that. But whether he succeeds uh, implementing that at United remains to be seen. But but it is an exciting appointment, all the same.
0: Yeah, you've, you've stolen all my points there. I was going to say the godfather <laughs> of uh, of and pressing, mentor to to those three uh, German managers that you mentioned there, um, and I, I, is that off field success as well? He's had in recruitment as well, which maybe makes this one a an enticing proposition, Tyrone, with that future two year consultancy role mentioned um in this post and and the ability for Rangi to have a real impact on United's future, uh, both footballing and and the transfer market as well.
2: Yeah, definitely. It's it's the type of role United probably needed uh, about eight years ago. Um, probably <laughs> you you wonder where they've been if they'd appointed someone like this. Um, back, back in those days really the consultancy role is definitely an interesting one I mean the the one potential issue I guess is that whoever comes in in the summer, say Ranić doesn't win the Champions League whoever comes in in the summer yeah, Pochettino, then they've got Ranić sat above them, how does it affect John Murta but I think generally there's a, there's an awful lot of positives for it in that United's footballing structure beyond the manager is, is very inexperienced and bizarrely going to get even more inexperienced when Ed Woodward leaves, you've got technical director in Darren Fletcher who's still learning the job learning the remits of his job one minute he's got the boots on the training ground and he's got suits on doing interviews then he's in the dugout taking pre-match warm-ups so he's he's still learning how his role is defined John Mercer is is clearly a shrewd operator has risen through the ranks at United has been a great survivor in a way since since joining under Moyes but is still relatively new in football director terms, probably doesn't have the contacts that Ranić has, the experience that Ranić has in that role. And then you've got Richard Arnold, who's theoretically going to be the, the chief executive replacing Woodward, who admits himself his his football knowledge and his knowledge of that area and negotiations and things like that is, is, is nowhere near the level, really. So I think having Ranić there as a consultant, both sort of maybe downwards to Murta and upwards to Arnold, is, is probably going to work... Or should work if it if it's done correctly very well. He can add an awful lot of knowledge to to the club in terms of that sort of executive level, if you like. Um if you know if a new manager comes in in, in Pochettino, then he can be sort of left to, to get on with it. We know that Pochettino wants to be a hands-on manager and, and oversee a lot of the club, but I think there's there's certainly benefit there in Ranić being an ear for people like Richard Arnold and, and John Murta and it's the type of knowledge that United have been lacking at executive level for a long time, really. I think. Yeah, it'll
0: be interesting to see what happens, Samuel, with that long-term appointment in the summer that we, we do still expect United to to pull off. Obviously, you, you make the point: if Frank wins the Champions League and the FA Cup and comes second or third in the Premier League, then that might be that might be a little bit different. But do you still see uh, a Pochettino, a Ten Hag, a Rodgers um, coming in in the summer and and working well? As Tyro said, under someone like
1: Rangnick, it's it's an interesting dynamic in that there'd be some coaches that would welcome that. There'd be other coaches that wouldn't necessarily welcome that. Um, I mean, with with Ten Hag, I think the expectation all along there has been that he would he'd go to Germany from from Ajax, a little bit like uh, Peter Boss, his, his um, predecessor at Ajax. He went to Dortmund. It didn't work out for him at Dortmund, but Ten Hag has always struck. Uh, sort of Dutch football followers as making you know tre- treading that same path. So for him to have been not not linked with United because United do admire him and he is a credible candidate, but he, but for him to have developed Ajax to a point where he is uh, of, of interest to United is is a testament to the brilliant work he's done there. And I think going from David De Vissi to the Premier League potentially having someone like Rangnick there would suit him. With Pochettino, it's it's a bit different given the profile of the coach, given that he's got a hell of a lot of experience um, in the Premier League already, five and a half years at Spurs, 18 months I think it was at Southampton. So that's that's an impressive and, and lengthy body of work uh, just being in the Premier League. But it depends how, how they go about their jobs. I, I think the fact that John Murta has, has endorsed Rangnick um, reflects well on him. Uh, it's. It's quite humble, really, of him to to be endorsing that, given that he he occupies the football director role. And from the outside, you'd think, well, is is it coming in to tread on his toes? But I think he accepts that they do need an expert there, which doesn't reflect well on the decision making process to go with Murta and Fletcher to, when they finish that structure in March, in the first place. But again, you've got non football people making football decisions, and and finally, United seem to be making a football decision through a football prism um normally they make these decisions through a financial prism uh, unfortunately for, for united of the last eight and a half years or so but it's it's so so difficult looking as far ahead as as may or june as to what could happen there because we've already seen just how much can happen in the space of of a week in the case of post-Watford uh, last week, how much can happen in the space of about 16 hours or so, just how things can develop at a rate of knots. So it, the, the onus on Rangnick, really, if if he performs to a level where United um, have, have a really good end to the season and if, if they somehow win a fourth European Cup, then... The job is probably his, but even if they were to win that and maybe finish sixth, it's going to ask questions. There are so many possibilities there. It does feel somewhat pointless even looking that far ahead just because of how much can change. But I don't think he's the kind of guy that would go in there and just think, I'm going to be an interim choice here. I think he will probably believe that he can become permanent manager But if he doesn't, he has got that consultancy role, which would suit him, given the way he's worked over the last decade.
0: Yeah, very, very interesting. Uh, What players do you think might benefit from working under Rangnick, Tyrone? There's been some talk, obviously, about Jaden Sancho just flickering into life in midweek with that performance against Villarreal. Obviously, played in Germany, not under Rangnick at all, but obviously had a lot of success there. Working with German coaches, you think about the the pressing system that Rangnik would surely implement. What what sort of United players would benefit from his stewardship? Do you think?
2: I think Sancho's an, an obvious one in that Rangnick is a very structured coach, like a lot of German coaches are. There, there's a lot of sort of pre-planned movements and and tactical movements in terms of coordinating attacks and things like that. And and Sancho thrived there for um, for Borussia Dortmund and in those sort of structured attacks and structured movements. It's all a bit freewheeling, um, or it was a bit freewheeling at United under Solskjaer, and he clearly struggled with that. It was his best performance for United so far in midweek, and I think he's an obvious one to look at. Um, beyond that, uh, maybe Fred, um, in terms of the, the pressing. I think there's still huge question marks about Fred's ability in terms of passing and and things like that in midfield, and whether he's at the elite level in terms of a title-winning uh, midfield, but his strength is undoubtedly pressing. He was involved in both goals in in midweek. The first one via his pressing, and you know that that would have been the first game Ranik's watched probably, and has seen that, and, and certainly been intrigued by it. There's probably interest in terms of the players that maybe won't benefit. I mean, obviously Ronaldo is going to play, but it's going to be fascinating to see how that dynamic works and and how United press to Ranić's, um demands, really, with, with Ronaldo front and centre, whether Ronaldo does start pressing more now, is instructed to press more, whether they find a way around it. Um be interesting to see Fernand, how Fernandes goes, really. I mean, he's never really played a, a number 10 um Ranić, so you wonder where it leaves Fernandes. He, he was dropped in midweek. It's been a long time coming, really, on, on recent form, but then he came off the bench and had a real impact. But it's going to be intriguing to see where that goes. Fernandes is Fernandez is a good presser, but sometimes you feel it's maybe a bit uncoordinated. That it's pressing because he's getting yeah. frustrated or angry, and he's just chasing the ball rather than necessarily doing it in a structured way. So there's maybe potential to work there, but I think the the most interesting aspect is probably going to be what, what he does in midfield. Whether Van der Beek gets more of a run, whether he plays him alongside Fernandez, how Fernandez slots into that midfield, whether he becomes a a deeper midfielder now, and we might see less of him in. In those goal scoring and creating areas so I think it's I think Sancho is the obvious one of the player who's most likely to to get the most out of this but I think the intrigue probably surrounds the midfield and, and what Ranić does with the midfield.
0: Yeah a lot of United fans Samuel were excited at the possibility of Pochettino mid-season because of his record with young players with bringing three academy players that he did at Tottenham and working on a on a shoestring budget but he also worked with a director of football type didn't he at Spurs as well and what, what will Rangnick do for those the likes of Greenwood and, and Rashford who you sort of felt were developing under, under Solskjaer to an extent but have stalled somewhat you might say I, I suppose Rashford has in particular because of injury Greenwood has been suppressed by all the players coming in how will Rangnick deal with, deal with those
1: guys I think there'll be an, an element of discipline instilled in them. With, with Solskjaer, it seemed like he indulged them a little bit too much. and I mean, Soft is an easy word to use with his management, but unfortunately it was a word that some of the players were using to describe his, his handling of, of certain players or his decision-making process. With Greenwood, he's, he's at that level already where, although he's not a winger, but he's obviously playing there quite a lot, Um, He he goes missing when it comes to defending, comes to tracking back. We've seen every brilliant winger, apart from maybe Ronaldo when he was a winger, uh, have to add that to their game. Hazard had to add that to his game when he was becoming a world-class winger at Chelsea. Uh, you You could go on, really. And the ones who don't add it to their game seem to get cut adrift. I mean, just... Plucking a name out of thin air, but Ousmane Dembélé at, at Barcelona is not going to be at Barcelona for, for much longer. That, that's a different matter altogether. But the fact that he's been able, he's been unable to master that aspect of his game, is probably why he's fallen by the wayside. There, um, that they signed the Brazilian Malcolm a few years ago, and there are other reasons why he didn't hack it there. But that was one aspect of his game that he failed to master in the Premier League. It's absolutely. Um, it's you know it's, it's essential that you you add that to to your game. Rashford has always had an air of entitlement about him from probably because of how he broke into the team when he was the golden boy and when he didn't have that indulgence, he didn't react well to it. and I've said before that he's he's never reacted well to criticism. Teammates have have noticed that that's partly a generational thing, but that's also partly his personality. And someone's got to go in there with the force of personality to put him in his place. I don't think Solskjaer ever had that. Um, sometimes it's just little things like calling him Rashi. Um, he, he would call Anthony Marshall Anto, and he would talk about what a brilliant record he had against Manchester City going into the derby three weeks ago. To the point where you worried on United's behalf if he was actually going to start him. And th- th- there were there were issues like that with Solskjaer's management that seemed quite trivial at the time, but in retrospect. Were were perhaps more serious. With Rangnick, at least you've got someone going in there who who has massive coaching clout. The, the weird thing about it is that Solskjaer has had more impressive results in his managerial career than Rangnick has. Nobody can tell me, apart from maybe going that five two game when they beat Inter Milan, Inter were the Champions League holders at the time with Schalke in in two thousand eleven. Uh, Schalke knocked into Milan out of the quarterfinals and obviously went on to the semifinals. Other than that result, what result out there springs to mind that Ralph Rangnick has achieved in his coaching career that is renowned outside of Germany? It's, you, you can't, if, if either of you could tell me one, then you've you've done a hell of a lot more research and have a lot more knowledge of him than I'm I have. Not hipster enough, I'm afraid. No, exactly. But, but with Zolska, with Solskjaer, you, you can reel them off. The the Guardiola victories five nil against Leipzig, beating Thomas Tuchel um, twice in Paris. Um, you know, the United beat Liverpool in the FA Cup last season but you're you're not going to come across many people who will argue that he's a better coach than than Rangnick and, and in fairness Solskjaer's not a coach he's he's a manager it's it doesn't seem like much of a difference but it is a big difference i think this is the first time united have gone for um a coach first over a manager i suppose you could make that argument say that van gaal was more of a coach than a manager but united have always been of the opinion that the title has to be um has to be a manager's title rather than head coach or first team coach. It, it seems pedantic, but it, it can be quite, quite an important difference from, from the, the same position essentially at other clubs. But having Rangnit come in with his coaching clout, with um, his his vision of football and what he wants from his players... I think is encouraging because, as as we've said so many times, when United attempted to press on the Solskjaer, it it, it didn't seem coordinated whatsoever. It just seemed quite anarchic. And you know, Klopp has already said today that United will be an organised team from now on.
0: Yeah, it would be very very interesting, Tyrone. In talking to coaches, first team coaches. It's Michael Carrick in charge for this weekend, but I wonder how much and and fans will be eager to to find out how much um, Rangnick might shake up the, the backroom staff as it currently is. Solskjaer was the only person to, to leave his post uh, last weekend when he was sacked after the Watford game. Michael Carrick took over. Uh, with, there's still Mike Phelan, Kieran McKenna, Darren Fletcher uh, at the club. Rangnick, I think it's Lars Kornetka that he likes to work with, but um, it might not be until the summer that United make those changes to the backroom staff. So what can you see happening happening there?
2: I can't see a lot happening. Um, I can't see all of them going. I know Paul Scholes on Tuesday night was demanding that every coach was sacked and the players looked after themselves for a few days, I think. But um, it wouldn't make sense for United to sanction the departure of all of those coaches and Ranić bring his own team in when they might only be there for six months and then it's a complete coaching overhaul again. Um, I think Carrick's stock has risen anyway this week. So, I think it's inevitable he's going to stay, presuming he wants to stay, which we imagine he does. I mean, you you would say there's little point in Mike Phelan being there if Ragnick brings his own assistants in. But maybe that'd be the only one. Um, You know, maybe he'll keep McKenna. I certainly think he'll keep Carrick. There's obviously the the lesser known coaches, I guess, like Martin Pert, Eric Ramsey brought in on set pieces and individual one on one coaching in the summer. I guess they're up in the air, but certainly in terms of the obvious ones, you, you can probably make a strong argument for feeling going if, if Ranjit does bring his own assistance in. But beyond that, I think there'll be quite an, a strong element of continuity. I think the, like I said, Carrick's stock rose in midweek. Um, McKenna's arguably as well, in terms of he obviously contributed to it. In the space of 24 hours, they've got a structured and coherent game plan together to beat a side who are decent in Europe, even if they're underperforming in La Liga. It was the best night I'd have looked defensively all season, maybe by the Tottenham game. It was certainly the best the midfielders looked in terms of protecting the back four. So they deserve credit for for that and what they managed to do in just 24 hours. So I wouldn't expect all of them to, to be given their P45s next week. I think it makes sense to have a decent degree of, of continuity, really, rather than having a complete change of coaching staff now and then a potentially another complete change of coaching staff in the summer. Football is a, creature of habits and like to know where they stand and there also needs to be some kind of link there between regimes really so I wouldn't expect too much maybe one or two departures but I think it would probably make sense to to keep the bulk of them and, and let Ranyik work under them and maybe he just he brings in a couple of his own men.
0: Yeah United with a, an actual contingency plan feels feels weird it doesn't feel it doesn't feel quite right this but uh, we'll have to see how it goes there's obviously the, the the small matter of the Chelsea game, Samuel, to come uh, at the weekend. We, we obviously spoke a little bit about this on the podcast during the week because we thought maybe there wouldn't be another massive piece of managerial news a couple of days ago, how how wrong we were. Um, it's a chance, I guess, for character, as Tyrone says, to further his credentials, to, to make sure he, he, he's keeping his spot on the, the coaching team um, if and when Rangnick comes in. And, uh, what else can United achieve from, from this game other than players impressing the the incoming boss, I suppose, is the cliche.
1: Well, it will be interesting to see if they go with a back three, given that Chelsea have operated that ever since Tuchel uh, came in in January and Carrick and McKenna did want to switch to a back three sooner than United did just to show up the defence. Solskjaer vetoed those plans. I can understand why he would have done that, but he didn't really seem to make a conscious effort to address the issues um, that, that were plaguing United defensively all season. As, as Ty said, the, the Real game, although De Gea pulled off a particularly brilliant stop in the second second half and there was some save to make in the first half, th- there weren't any calamitous errors that, that gifted those chances. They were more compact. They were more disciplined. Uh, th- there was a different focus about them that has been lacking pretty much all season, bar the Tottenham game when as as we've said, ad nauseum, they were coming up against a side that sat their coach two days later. So if if Carrick and McKenna, um, and I say them because I think Phelan is just separate. Phelan doesn't do the coaching. As I think that he could leave the place and nobody would really notice. But if they can pull off a positive result against Chelsea this weekend, having overseen a a tactical tweak, then their, their reputations will have been which have been damaged a hell of a lot over the last few months or so uh, will have been repaired to an extent because it become quite clear that well, maybe they actually were onto something and they, they deserved a bit more credit uh, for trying to change things than, than than they were getting. But people aren't always um, furnished with what with what's going on at United. But predictably, when a manager is sacked, more of this stuff comes out. And I think they do need to go with a back three at Chelsea, but it, it can't be the bottom-heavy uh, approach that Solskjaer went with. It's Solskjaer always wanted a front two, probably because it served him well in previous games with a split-striker strategy. But with Chelsea, who obviously go with a 3-4-3, three, three. I think with the momentum that United have generated from midweek and the players that they have available uh, to them that they they can get away with it it's it's something that they can pull off. I don't necessarily think it, you'll see Jaden Sancho playing as a wing back, but there is still a role for him to play in in that setup. You see Calvin Hudson Doy coming in and doing it. And although Michael Owen made a very, very, um, it's probably the only time he's actually spoken compellingly in his whole life. But when he analysed United the way he did after the derby, saying you can't change formations week by week. And I completely agree with that. I think with the Chelsea game, they they do have to go in that direction and go with the back three, even though they're without two major centre-backs, well, they're two first-choice centre-backs in Maguire and Varane. But from a selfish perspective, if Carrick and McKenna can further their cause by getting a positive result at Chelsea, which doesn't necessarily have to be a win, if United play well and get a draw there, that will be another progressive step, then it's a compelling case for them to to stay on under uh, under Rangnick.
0: Yeah, Tyrone, it feels like a bit of a free hit for, for Carrick, but I suppose what he did with the defence against Villarreal, as you said before, can be replicated against Chelsea and a, a draw would probably be a, people would say it would be a solid result for United. It would at least break this run of defeats that they're on in the Premier League. Maybe if it, it was a nil-nil, another clean sheet to to add to the to the very small collection this season. There's there's lots to be gained, even though United are, are probably massive underdogs for this one.
2: Yeah, I think so. Like I so said, I think a draw would be a great result, really. Got a face reality less um, than Chelsea are in. Superb form. I know they drew with Burnley before the international break, but this week they've they've thrashed Leicester, they've thrashed Juventus, the top of the league, they're twelve points ahead of United after twelve games. They look superb at the moment, and I think it's it is one where United would would snap your hand off for a draw at the moment. Um, like some it'd be interesting to see what he does in terms of system. Um, the back three has got a lot of sense to it. The, the obvious issue, as Samuel mentioned, is the absence of Verana Maguire, and um, Shaw's concussion. The, the issue with it, I guess, is is having the personnel to, to play it. Well, I thought it was interesting that he went to Villarreal, to be honest, when he couldn't be in the, in the squad. Not even in the Champions League squad, yeah. But no, still, still I thought travel. that was intriguing when he is. Apparently, he's important. Lee, Lee <laughs> he's Grant important. went as well for, for vibes, I think. Both both very important. I mean, you can almost understand Grant going because he's almost a de facto coach these days, in a way, I guess. Um, and he's not going to play anytime soon. Um, and you could argue it's furthering his coaching credentials. He obviously fancies a coaching career. That's not the case with, with Jones. It seemed interesting he was going and was presumably going to be involved in, in some team meetings or something like that um, ahead of the Chelsea game. I mean, I don't think it'd be a surprise if he was on the bench. I think it'd be insane if he started. Um, but if you're going to play a back three, I mean, he's fourth choice at worst, isn't he? If you're going to play a back three, I think. So you probably have to have him on the bench which is maybe an argument not to be able to play the back three. Um, so, yeah, it will be interesting to see what he does and certainly the tactical battle between kind of United's wingers and um, Chelsea's wing-backs. Everything seems to go to the wing-backs at the moment. Obviously, losing Chilwell is going to be a massive blow for them, but Alonso's maybe even more attacking. Reese James is flying. How Carrick um, sets up a team to try and stop that would be interesting. I think Sancho's an obvious one on the right to, to track Alonso and also try and maybe pin him back as well, and then you had this experiment in midweek where he started Ronaldo on the left. I, I don't think that'll be happening because Rhys James will just walk away from Ronaldo. So you, you're probably looking at Rashford there to track him. But I think it's made it, it sets up for it's good in a way for us for, for United, well not for United. It's good in a way for Carrick and for us to see them coming up against the team that are relatively unique in in Premier League terms, just to see how he sets the team up and what his sort of tactical credentials are in terms of a, a game like this and how he goes about it when he has got some issues within the squad in terms of maybe what he would like to do most of all.
0: Absolutely, yeah. One to look forward to. I, I'm not going to ask you for predictions because we did it with Samuel the other day and to ask him twice in a week, I, I don't think he'll, he'll speak to me again. So uh, we, we, be, we better um, say thank you very much to both of you for, uh, for all your contributions to today's Manchester is Red podcast. Thank you both. Thank you, Tom. Cheers, Tom. Thank you. No worries. And we'll be back for another episode very, very soon. Please leave us a like and a subscribe and listen again soon. Cheers.